Uh, but we started a couple of weeks ago talking about the struggle that we all have. Remember Paul, we read in Romans chapter 7 about Paul talking about the very things that I want to do, I don't end up doing. You know, I've got the desire, I've got the intentions, but, but, I, but I don't have the results always that I want. Uh, this was even after he was saved in Romans 7. Um, we have the spirit of Christ. It, you know, if we're saved, we've got the Holy Spirit. God the Spirit. Not just some force or thing like that. It is God himself, God the Spirit, living within us. God's presence in us. You can't be saved without him. In Romans chapter 8, verse 9, he says, If anyone has not the Spirit of Christ, you don't belong to him. So you can't be saved without him. But even though we have that, we've been born again, our names are written in heaven, we have been obedient and followed him in baptism, and we have the Spirit of God living within us, even though all that's true, and the Bible says you're a new creature in Christ, old things are passed away, all things are become new, but yet for some reason, you and I know, and Paul brings it up, that we still end up struggling with some of the same old stuff. Yeah, uh, so even though we're indwelt by his presence, we still live in this sin-cursed world and in this sin-cursed flesh. There is a sinful nature that's attached to it. And as long as we're in this world, even though you're saved and have the spirit of God in you, you also have to deal with a sinful nature and a sinful world that's broken and cursed that we live in. And so God created us, as you remember, in his image. And part of that is, is we have mind, will, and emotion. We have a will that God built into us an ability to choose. One thing God wanted different, as you know, from us, from all the rest of the, the critters and creatures that he created, is a love relationship. And you know as well as I do that love demands choice. You can't program. You don't love because you're programmed to love. You don't love by instinct. It's not the same. Love is a decision that you make where you choose to love someone and, and, and to open up yourself and give yourself to someone. Love is all about that. And God explained love when he said, God so loved the world. And that is everybody equally important created in his image. God loved the world so much that he gave. Love is about giving. Love isn't just about you making me feel the way I want to feel about me. Love is about me giving of myself to you. And God loved us, loved us so much that he gave his son to die on the cross because he knew we would make the wrong choice. He knew we would be sinners. He knew he's, because he's perfect and heaven is perfect, something would have to be done about that. The price would have to be paid. And so God himself, he knew we could never measure up to the perfection of righteousness. So God himself, what he required, God himself supplied through Christ. And, and, and Paul even talks about how he met the righteous, uh, the righteousness, the righteous requirement of the law was met in him on our behalf. So even though we have all of that, we've got to choose whether we want to receive his love or not or respond to it and love him back and receive Christ as Savior. But even after we're saved, we find out that we still choose every day whether I'm going to yield my will or control to be led by God or by myself. That selfish part of me that looks out for old number one. That sinful nature. So we call that the flesh. The flesh nature. 
All of that means the same thing. Sin nature all means the same thing. So am I going to yield my will and my control to be led by the Spirit of God or by the flesh, by myself, just doing what I want to do? So we have to choose, right? So that's what we are talking about, especially in week one. We, I'm, I'm kind of recapping. Is that okay? Uh, we have, good. We have to, because some of you missed it anyway. So um, we have to choose. You have the ability to make that choice. Whether you're going to walk, as Paul said in, in Galatians 5, are you going to walk or live in the spirit? Or are you going to walk, live in the flesh? And he said, if you walk in the spirit, you're not going to be fulfilling all of the desires of the flesh. And so we need to focus on the right things. It's not enough for me to just say, I hope I don't do the wrong things because I'm already focused on the wrong things that I don't want to do. I need to be focused on the right things. Okay, you got it. All right. But it requires discipline. That's where that word discipline comes in. And we have been noticing that discipline means this. It's choosing what you want most over what you want now. Paul talked about what I really want most. Sometimes I don't end up doing. But it's because of the stuff that I, I'm distracted by or that I want right now. So discipline is the ability to choose what we want most over what we want now. Now, last week... We focused on having the discipline to just stop trying. Because we're going to try harder. I know I mess up. I'm just going to try harder. And we, 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 willpower only goes so far. And then it wears down, correct? And then we go ahead and eat the rest of that donut. Or we go ahead and give in to whatever that is. So we need to, we learned where he talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, that we need to stop trying, just trying, and start training. We need to start training. Uh, I need to have discipline not to let my fleshly nature control my life. And, and, and to realize that I need to do little things. It's just like getting in shape, like getting ready to run a marathon. I, I say, I want to do this. I have a desire. I have intentions of running a marathon, but I couldn't go out and do it today. But what I can do today is pick up the pace a little bit. I can walk a little further. I can run a little further and start building on that and building on that till I get to the point that perhaps I could. The little things that I do every day add up to big things as I overcome and as I win victories. That's what we've been tracking in the teaching uh, from Scripture and applying to our lives. So a lot of times we see these big things that need to be conquered. And God says, we're going to get there. But first, to get there, i got to put your mind on some things that you need to do and not do today. And you need to discipline yourself. Because I've given you the ability to choose whether you're going to do this or not. Or do that. Somebody will still ask, well, even knowing all this, this week, I still, mm, okay, maybe, maybe all of us could say this in some ways. This week, I still feel like a failure. I mean, I just feel like in so many ways that I just feel like a failure. But have you ever looked at people? And we do this. We look at people wrongfully. You look at people who seem to be successful. They seem to be doing well. And we look at them, and, and they're doing well in life. They're growing in, in faith. Or maybe they're doing well in business. And you look at them, and you ever ask yourself, what do they do different? 
You know, were they just born in the right family? You know, is it just because they had all the breaks? You know, were they just, were they just have good genetics? Is that why they're healthy? I mean, did they just luck into finding the right spouse? Some people do. But is that, is that all of it? Is that what it is? Is it just because of that and I'm just unlucky? I'm just a failure? No, that's not it at all. Here's what I've noticed. We all start from different places in life, and some have more advantages than others. That's true. But you see, people that start from very rough places, God does amazing things in their life. We hear those stories all the time. So even though we start from different places in life, here's one thing, principle that I've noticed. And I'm putting together a lot of scripture study, leadership, and different things into this message. And there's notes online. If you haven't already found them, you can pick them up there. But here's one thing I found is that successful people do consistently what other people only do occasionally. See, there's a big difference. It just doesn't happen automatically. There's consistency. There's persistence. There's patience. There's discipline over time that produces results. God wants us to employ that in allowing him to work in our life. It's consistent and it is intentional. It's not accidental. I've never seen anyone who just like accidentally paid off all their debt. You know what I mean? It's just like, man, I was just going along making those minimum payments and missing one here and then. Whoops. Somehow or another, I just paid it off. Don't know how it happened. Uh, I've, I've never seen anyone just, oh, here's a big one. I've never seen anyone just accidentally have a good marriage. <laughs> and it's like, well, they're just lucky. They just get along. No, 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 no. If you really have a good marriage, you know, it can look that way on the surface. You know that you have to work at it. You have to prioritize the relationship. You have to repent when you fail in sin and apologize when you mess up so you can grow together. This never, ever becomes automatic or just accidental. They work really hard on it. You're going to get out of it what you put in it. Quit. Fairy tales are fairy tales. It takes work, right? So it's that way. I've never seen anybody just accidentally things just like, uh, you know, so you have to ask how much do you really want it, right? Um, I don't know anyone who just got accidentally closer to God. You know, I was just going along there, just sinning and cussing and doing all kinds of wicked stuff. And, and, and one day, you know, I was stealing and cheating and fighting and lying. And I woke up one day, and it's just like all my weaknesses and all those bad thoughts and desires, all my addictions, everything, poof, were just gone. And I just loved everybody, and I was just doing the right stuff all the time, never had bad thoughts that I struggled with. I've never known anybody that just accidentally, that kind of thing just happened. Everyone I know who is growing has to do what the Bible is teaching us here and consistently die to self, even though they're saved, right? That we have to consistently die to self, yield my will to the Spirit, seek to know God through His Word. I'm spilling a lot of truth here on you that comes to the Word of God, folks. Seek to know God through His Word and listen to his voice, and let him, because he's not going to force it, let him conform us into the image of his son. And over time, as we pursue him, and he keeps changing us, we become more like Christ. We've got to want to. Just like I always pull up that example when Jesus healed that lame man, that he asked him, hey, you want to walk, right? (laughs) 
Dumb question. No. Do you really want to walk? Because you've been laying there and everybody's been giving you stuff because you can't work. But once you walk, then you got to take care of yourself. And maybe you could start helping other people. Maybe you're going to have to get a job. So a lot of the things that we keep wanting to change, do we really want it to change? Do you really want this to happen? But Jesus told the guy, if you want to walk, get up. Well, the guy couldn't get up on his own. His power was never going to do it. He was lame. It was only the power of Jesus. But I personally believe that it wasn't until he believed Jesus enough to try to do what he could not do that Jesus helped him do what he could not do, and he was able to get up and walk. So is, the question is, are you willing to get up? The decision is yours. There's a, there, 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 the power is God's. It is his power that is, can, is the only thing that can do it, but he's not going to do it against our will. There is a responsibility he gives to us, and that's what these messages have been about. We have good intentions, but what is it? Is it God that is just not strong in my life? What is it? It's not God. We have good intentions, but we fail to have the results. Or I should say, many times, I fail to have the results I want. Remember this. (laughs) Intentions do not determine direction. Actions determine direction. Actions. At some point, there's got to be action in obedience. You can put that word in there. That determines direction. In other words, if you just keep doing what you've been doing, you know what you're going to get. If you keep doing what you've been doing, you're always going to get what you already have. Nothing's going to get better. Hoping for a different future doesn't bring you a different future. Just hoping things will change doesn't change anything. Remember this? Still reviewing a little bit. Hope doesn't change your life. Habits change your life. I mean, we need to have hope to motivate us, but it is different habits that change your life. I've got to change the things I do in obedience to him and by his power if things are going to change in my life. It's never a result of just really a lucky decision. It's always the result of countless, consistent, seemingly small decisions that add up over time. That's how it happens. Um, it's this. It's the small things that no... Here's, here's what I want to focus on today. It's the small things that no one sees that leads to the big results that everyone wants. Let that sink in for a second. There's a problem, though with this. I'm just going to do a disclaimer right now. There is a problem with this. And do you want to know what the problem with this is? The problem is, is that usually you begin to change your actions in obedience to God and you change your habits, uh, whatever they may be. You usually, the problem is don't see results very fast. So, uh, when you do right small things, or you stop doing the wrong small things, you may not see results very fast. So, what happens? Well, you begin after a little while. I've been trying, see? Huh? Training means I'm not seeing too big of gains now, but I'm looking on down the road. But I'm just trying, see? So, I want to see fast results. Man, and we fall for that. All this gimmicks and stuff, whether it's losing weight or whatever, getting rich. We want something quick, easy, and fast. 
doesn't usually happen that way. Now, let me say this. There have been some major deliverances that God has done in my life, but he's not done any of it without my willingness and my cooperation, without me getting up. Some of it has happened more instantly and powerfully, but 99.9% of it has happened over time. Because here's the thing. Some of the big things that you're wanting to be set free from, grow out of, or be delivered from, if he just took it away from you, you would not learn a blessed thing, and you'd go right back to it. But over time, as you're building, as you're growing, he changes your heart. Because the actions don't stay changed until the heart changes. That's what he wants to do. But if you're not careful because you don't see results and change and everything happen the way you want it to fast enough, you feel like you're going to give up. That's what Paul's dealing with in our text. In Galatians chapter 6, listen to this. We talked about it Sunday night in the boundary study. We've been building up to this, but this is a classic illustration that Paul gives in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Here's what he says. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Catch this. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. That's the law of the harvest. Amen? You've heard this before. Don't be deceived, he says. God is not mocked. Don't be deceived. Don't be tricked. Don't be fooled. Don't be duped. You could translate this, don't be stupid. Understand this. God is not mocked. And the word for mocked is a word that literally means to thumb your nose or turn your nose up at someone. I mean, you can do it, but you don't get away with it. You can do it all your life. But you're going to have to stand in front of him one day. And you can do it. And you can, you, can, you can thumb your nose at God like this isn't going to be true. And it's going to be true every time. Because we know that there are some laws that when God created things, we can observe them. There are laws. There are things that are true and they're, they're consistent. They're repeatable. Like gravity is a law. It's not a theory. Right? It doesn't matter whether you want to believe in gravity and many of these physical laws. It doesn't matter whether you want to believe in them or not. If you, uh, you know, are a kid and you put on a Batman cape or a Superman cape and you jump off the top of Granny and Gramps' storm cellar, um, you're going to hit the ground mighty hard. You're not going to fly. I can tell you that. Right? It doesn't matter how much you want it or how, how, how sincere you are. How much you don't want to believe or do want to believe something. Some things are just true. God set it in motion. Gravity is true on planet earth, okay? There are other things that are spiritual laws that are just as true and just as fixed. Just like gravity is a physical law of nature, the law of sowing and reaping, Paul uses that to illustrate a law That is a physical, natural law, but it illustrates something that's equally true spiritually. And this is something we should understand. You know, we kind of live in a farming, and most of it, a lot of us grew up on farms and things like that. Um, So this law means this. When you sow what you sow, you're going to reap. But we know a little bit about that. So if we go out there and we sow wheat, 
what are we going to harvest? Wheat. Uh, I mean, if you go out there and you sow corn, you're not going to grow huckleberries. I don't know where that came from. But we used to, you ever have huckleberry jam? Does anybody have huckleberries? I mean, you know, I don't know where you find them around here. But they're good. We used to have some in Arkansas. I'm sure we have in Missouri, too, huckleberries. You know, but you want to make sure if you're out in the woods and you find berries, you need to you need to ask somebody before you just eat them. You know, you know, how do we know certain things were poisonous? I mean, who was the first guy that, you know, someone said, eat that. And they eat it and they drops over and they're like, "Okay, we don't eat that no more. I don't know. But but you want to be careful when you're just out there. Anyway, uh, you reap what you sow, not something different. It's the thing you sow. But you not only reap what you sow, you reap more than you sow. You sow one seed that produces a plant that comes to a head and produces many seeds, or a tree that grows and produces many, right? Uh, so you reap what you sow, you reap more than you sow. And you understand he talked about due season. You don't reap when you sow, you reap what? Later than you sow. So you reap what you sow, more than you sow, Later than you sow. And uh, so, <laughs> let's look at that a little bit. Are you ready? Here we go. <clears throat> you reap what you sow. He says, if you sow to the flesh, that is, to the sinful nature, you will reap what? Corruption. It ends in destruction and corruption and decay. It's all part of that curse. But he says, if you sow to the Spirit, you will of the Spirit reap eternal life. And eternal life is more than just living forever. Because according to the Bible, you can know that you have eternal life even now. So it is a, not just a quantity of life. It is a quality of life, abundant life that you can have starting even right now. I can tell you not, I, I can say it this way. It's not just that I'm going to have eternal life. I already have it. Through Christ. And you can have it as well. And you can know that you have it. John says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. Amen? <laughs> you can know that you have it. All right, so if I, if I sow to the Spirit, eternal life. Life abundant. So, you know, this is a good, good illustration that we understand. That if you plant, on the spiritual level, if you plant godly habits, you're going to reap what? Godly, blessed outcomes. If we continue to sin... If we're going out there doing things that we know are wrong, if we go out there disrespecting people, living selfishly and angry and greedy and unforgiving and bitter and harsh and judgmental, if we hate people, it's going to come back to us. But it's not just going to come back to us. It's going to come back to us with a multiplying factor because you reap what you sow. And God's not mocked. You can't pray for crop failure. This is set. This happens. If you've planted in selfishness or even wickedness, think about it. What have you reaped? Not good things. You know, the lost world out there just talks about karma and everything. It's not that. It's really just the law of the harvest in motion. What you're sowing is what you're going to be reaping later on. So the question we have to ask today, what are we sowing? Into our daily life. What am I sowing on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? What am I sowing into my marriage? What am I sowing into my 
kids? Or what am I sowing even at work in my job? What is it that I am sowing into these things? So imagine any area of life that you can imagine there. Any area of your life, when you do the wrong thing, why would we expect to, re- to reap a good thing? I mean, if we're struggling, say we're struggling in our marriages, and if you're, if you're, if you're selfish, if you dwell on lust, if you're looking at porn during the week, why in the world would you expect things to be okay and to turn out okay? It just doesn't work that way. You reap what you sow. That's what you're sowing into it. You're always showing up late at work. I'm not saying any of you. I'm just using an illustration, okay? <laughs> you're showing up late at work. You don't follow instructions. You give half-hearted effort. Why do you expect to be promoted? I mean, why would you expect that? Can we go a little further? You're eating too much, and you're eating the wrong foods, and you refuse to exercise, yet you claim it's unfair that other people are are in better shape than you are and are healthier than you are. What are you expecting? I mean, it just is true. I've tried it before. I mean, you can stop exercising and just eat cheeseburgers and fattening things. And you don't just magically stay in shape. It doesn't happen that way. I've sat and watched a lot of workout videos from the recliner, and it hasn't helped me a bit. Right? Kind of puts me to sleep. It's not that life is unfair, okay? Amen? We always think life's unfair. It's not that God is just punishing you. It's not that you can even blame the devil. I'm telling you, it's true. We blame the devil for a lot of stuff. I just need somebody to get the devil out of my life. And the devil's like, man, I ain't had to do much. It's mostly you. What you need to do is take responsibility for you because here's what the thing is about you. If you belong to Christ, you are his possession. Satan can't possess you. And and if you want to yield to the spirit, he can't stop you from doing that. But if you yield to the flesh, then you give him access. That's what it is. That's what it is. We're drawn away. James said when when we sin, we're drawn away what? Of our own desires and get tangled up. Our own desires. I know there's been a lot of times that I've been saying, if the devil would just leave me alone, right? He'd just leave me alone. When the Lord's saying, if you just quit sowing bad seed, you don't like what's happening today? Right. So he's going to give us strength to overcome if we will let him. It's not that life's unfair or God's punishing us. We're just reaping the harvest from what we've sown. So if I don't like what I'm harvesting today, guess what I need to do? I need to change seeds. I need to change what I'm doing. I need to change what I'm sowing. So uh, I usually wait till the end and let's just apply this, but let's do it right now. Think this week. Just think ahead this week. Let's just keep it simple, okay? What's one, what is just one good seed you could start sowing that you haven't been sowing? Just one area just to be obedient. Something you can do. Okay, how about this? 
Just one. Let's just think of one bad seed you've been sowing, whatever that habit is, or whatever that attitude is, and just stop doing it. Just one. I'm not talking about huge stuff. Just one. Just find one. And let that be our focus this week, right? Because we know that we do reap what we sow. And then secondly, not only do we reap what we sow, we reap more than we sow. So as we said, you sow one seed, it grows a plant uh, or a tree that produces many seeds. You know, it's often been said, you can take an apple and you can count the number of seeds in an apple, but you can't count the number of apples in one seed. True? That's what we're talking about here. The small things. One seed produces many seeds. So the small things plus consistency plus time equals radical difference. Let that sink in for a minute. It's called a compound effect. It's called a compound effect. When we do the small right things consistently over time, planting the right kinds of seeds in the right kind of soil in, in, in the right time of year, and God sends the rain, God produces a harvest of radical proportions. You reap more than what you sow. There's an illustration. Uh, Darren Hardy had a book about three guys. And um, so I can pull in from some of the leadership podcasts and different things like that. Uh, Craig Groeschel uses these and he changes the name and I'm going to use that, okay? Just to illustrate this principle because I just thought it was a lot of fun. There are three guys from the same neighborhood and they have same type of families. They're, you know, same pretty much everything, same education, and they weigh the same, about the same kind of shape, all right? Uh, but then we're going to track them over a few years. Are you ready? Here we go. One, his name is Sammy. We're going, and, and he calls him Sammy the Sammy Same. Sammy Same. What do you think about Sammy Same? Well, Sammy just does everything the same. You know, he just keeps always. That's his philosophy. He just keeps doing the same thing he's always been doing. He complains about it a lot. You know, he's not like like super happy, but it's not super bad either. I mean, he, he's not happy with everything in his life, but he's not unhappy enough to do anything different. Okay? Right? L like a lot of us. Then there's Billy Better. Billy Better, he makes just like some small, seemingly insignificant changes. Just, just one or two. You know, he, he, Billy Better just made some decisions. He decided that, you know one thing? I'm going to become more consistent in attending worship. Right? And I'm going to connect up with a Bible study. And get involved with some folks where we can apply and encourage and do life together. Amen. We can keep each other uh, pumped up and encouraged. And he, guess what else he did? He actually did something radical. You wouldn't believe this. He actually started one of the Bible reading plans. I mean, he got on his YouVersion app, and he found some plans, and he just started doing that. I mean, from zero, he went to like 10, 15 minutes a day. That's all. It wasn't anything huge. Just 10, 15 minutes a day of reading the scripture and praying a little bit. Uh, or, and then, then, then he just like, you know what? They have like Bible study before worship. I should show up there. I'm really plugging now because he got involved in a D6 class and he found out that the kids are studying the same lesson and my kids can go in there. You know what? They've got like little Bible read, just little short. You can do it in five minutes, Bible readings and a little devotional and some things that if you, if you, if you in the book there, even some things you can, if your kids are reading the same thing, you can talk to them about it. You can ask them questions and, and just, just, just take, you know, 15 minutes a day is all we're talking about with all of this, you know what? That's doable, right? When he said, I think I need to start doing this, it was something that was very easy to do. 
Open the Bible and start reading it. Just show up a little bit, right? Connect a little bit. Doable. Then he decides to cut a little bit out of his diet. Well, he decides to take one soda and one snack out, 200 calories a day. He consistently dropped 200 calories every day. And not, not continually, but just every day was 200 calories less than when he started. Right? So that's all he took out of his daily routine is 200 calories. Um, very doable, right? Then he started walking, maybe just three or four times a week, just walking and exercising, no big changes. And guess what? After a few months for old Billy, there was almost no visible results at all. In fact, he and his buddies pretty much still looked the same. Everything seemed a lot, you know, still struggling with some of the same stuff. And you know what? Billy's tempted to quit. But you know what? He remembered coming to church and hearing this, coming out of the word, that small, consistent, right disciplines over time can equal radical results. So guess what he did? He didn't grow weary, and he stuck with it. Then there's Wally worse. Now, Wally... You know what? He skipped church because he doesn't show up very often, and he didn't even hear this message, right? So he didn't get this info. And uh, he believes in God, but not enough to really do anything about it or to connect anywhere. And he just picked up a, you know, just a couple of little bad habits, nothing, nothing serious, just a few little bad habits, the way he acts, the way he talks, being selfish, but... He starts also, you know, just kicking back and not doing anything much physically. And he's watching the Food Network, you know, and, and watching the Food Network. One thing he did learn, he learned how to make some amazing desserts. And everybody liked them. And so he started doing that, and he learns to eat more unhealthy snacks. And he, he ends up consistently consuming 200 more calories a day. Every day, just 200 more calories. Not, not a lot, not much. Uh, he wastes all of his free time just watching TV or binge-watching videos and things like that. So guess what? We take these three guys. We go six months down the row. No discernible difference in the three. Go 18 months down the road. You start to see there's a little difference in these guys. Just a little bit. But by the time you get a couple of years and a half, maybe three years out, the change was startling. Sammy, the same. He really sees no change in his life. I mean, he's unhappy, but I said not enough to do anything about it, except he becomes more and more bitter and sour. He's still struggling with the same struggles. He's still worrying about the same stuff. He's still losing the same battles. Nothing's changing. Nothing's growing. Billy Better, he's growing in his walk with God. He's more confident. His marriage is better. And guess what? Over that amount of time, like 27 months, he's consumed almost 200,000 fewer calories than he would have if he had just stayed the way he was doing. And he's lost nearly 50 pounds because of that. Wally worse. Well, he consumed 200,000 more calories during that same time, and he gained 50 pounds. Now, two and a half years or a little so later... Um, there's a hundred pounds difference between Wally and Billy. It's called a compound effect. Positive changes compound into more, and so do negative. They don't just stay by themselves. Billy lost weight, gained confidence, grew closer to God. Had a, lot of, had, had a few small spiritual victories that led to a lot of spiritual victories. He ends up being promoted at work because things were different. He disciplines himself with money after time. And guess what? He got his debt paid off. And now the harvest really begins to pick up because his life's better. He has more confidence. He's closer to God. And his wife is happier. 
Because their marriage is better. Because he's better. He's Billy better. And it started with just a few little changes. But poor old Wally, as Wally gained weight, he lost confidence and he drifted from God and he just quit going to church altogether and he blamed everybody else for all of his problems. He became more and more sedentary. He struggled at work. His finances became an absolute mess. And guess what? His marriage is hanging by a thread. This is 27 months later. So here's what it is. Remember this? This illustration shows us it's not what you do occasionally. Occasionally, man, I get it right. Huh? Right? Come on. Occasionally, I really mess up. But occasionally, I really get it right. Yay for me, huh? It's not what you do occasionally. It's what you do consistently over time that makes the difference. That's what the law of the harvest is teaching us. So, you're not just going to come up and just say a quick prayer. Now, it needs to start there. It starts with that of me surrendering to God. Pouring it out before God, opening myself up to Him, that's the start. But I'm just going to tell you, I can't say some magic prayer over you and me deliver you from all your struggles. And the Lord, He may take some things away, but there may be some things He's going to show you. Okay, you prayed that prayer. You committed your heart. I'm going to help you get up. You get up and you walk. And you walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. And you need to find a few little things you're going to change today. And you start changing the seed that you're sowing every day. And then you're going to change the results. And guess what? Since you reap more than what you sow, it's going to compound. And it's going to compound over time as you stay consistent. You're going to see some radical change in your life. So if you don't like what you're reaping, change what you're sowing. You reap what you sow, more than you sow, but you also reap later than you sow. Let's wrap this up because uh, this is a principle that's so true. We, we make a few changes. We don't, see cha- we don't see the results we were expecting as quickly as we want. We're tempted to give up. Got to remember that what you sow now will be reaped in a later season. That's the law of the harvest. You know, you plant winter wheat When do you plant winter wheat? You plant it in the fall. When is it harvested? Not in the fall. It's not even harvested in the winter. It's harvested in the spring. And spring wheat? You plant that in the spring, but you don't harvest it in the spring. You don't even really harvest it in the summer. You harvest it in the fall. It's a different season. You can't go out there and plant next morning, look out there. Well, what's the deal? I didn't do any good. There's nothing. Right? It takes time. You understand that. You know that. So here's the thing. You're praying more. You're reading the Bible more. You're attending worship and Bible study more, connecting with others, helping one another live it out. Yet it may not seem like very much is changing. In fact, some things might even seem more difficult. Are you hearing me? Don't give up. Harvest will come. I can tell you that based on the word of God. And it's a law. It's a principle. Remember, our lives are the sum of all the small decisions that we make. That's what our lives are. In every decision and every action you take, you're choosing a direction. Did you get that? In every decision 
And in, whether you're going to yield to God or not or whatever it is you're going to do, with every decision, you got to make a decision before you have action. With every decision you make and every action you take, you are determining the direction that you're going to go. So if we sow to the Spirit, we're going to have a harvest. And it starts with little decisions today. So don't give up. Amen. Don't give up. All right, let's wrap it up. In week one, we learned that we have that struggle between the flesh and the spirit. We need to remember our identity, who we are in Christ, and yield our will and control to the spirit so we're not gratifying the lust of the flesh. Amen. I release my grip. This is where sometimes it, it starts. I mean, it always starts here, but this is sometimes when we have a problem. I release my grip. It's not my life. It's his life in me. I release my grip, my control to the spirit. And if I'm doing that, I'm not going to be walking in the flesh. I release my power to his power in me. Because here's what I know. Christ in me. Are you hearing me? Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. Because we know who we are in Christ, we know what to do. How are you going to know what to do until you know who you are? You know who you are, you know what to do. So we stop merely trying and we start training. Because in Christ, I'm a winner. We become more aware of who He already created us to be. And by His Spirit, He helps us as we choose what we want most over what we just want now. So how do I judge my success today? Right here, October the 2nd, 2022. How do I judge my success today? It's not necessarily by the harvest I'm reaping right now. It's by the seed that I sow today. Because the harvest I'm reaping now is a result of what I did in the past already. That's already there. Like I said, you don't sow wild oats. <laughs> or you don't sow bad seed and just pray for crop failure. He says there's going to be a harvest. What do you do then if I'm changing what I'm planting, but I'm still... See, even though I'm planting different seed and living a whole different life now, you're still reaping a bad harvest from the past. Because you reap later, right? And it's coming on you. Well, that's the law of the harvest. Here's what Jesus says he will do. He will walk with you through that harvest. And you will continue to learn and grow. And as you keep consistently doing the right things, even small things, and you keep sowing the right seeds over time, guess what? That harvest is going to completely change. But you've got to stay with it. Because what you're planting today is what you're going to harvest later. What you're harvesting now is a result of the past. So the success is, what seeds did I sow? Did I sow to the Spirit or to the flesh today? So don't grow weary. Don't grow weary. Okay, never mind. I had the verse to put up there, but for some reason it skipped all the way back to the start. All right, I'm just going to just go ahead and take that off. Okay, or put it up there. That's fine. Uh, Galatians 6, 9. <laughs> Thanks for your help back there. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. 
That's what Satan wants you to do is give up. So I'm here to tell somebody today, don't give up. Don't stop praying. Don't stop giving. Don't stop serving. Don't stop believing the best. Don't stop fighting to stay pure. Don't stop battling addiction. Don't stop seeking God. Don't stop getting up early, staying late, putting in those extra reps. Amen. Pushing yourself a little. Saying yes to the right things. Saying no to the wrong things. Don't stop chipping away. Don't stop showing back up when you feel defeated. It's not easy. And it doesn't all happen overnight. But you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. And Father...